0: Welcome to The Help Desk. My name is Peter Wells.
1: And I'm Tess Bennett.
0: And in case you were feeling any optimism at all, uh, here are a couple of stories to start about Facebook and Twitter helping Trump get re-elected.
1: That's right. So the Washington Post has two stories on Trump and social media today. A study released Thursday by the Election Integrity Partnership found that just 20 conservative pro-Trump Twitter accounts, including the president's own at real Donald Trump, were the original source of one fifth of retweets pushing misleading narratives about voting. And a recent Cornell University study, meanwhile, concluded that Trump was also the largest driver of misinformation in the public conversation about the coronavirus in the first half of the year. The researchers found that nearly 40% of articles containing misinformation about the virus mentioned him, including articles about false cures and blaming China for the disease.
0: Ah, nothing to fear. (laughs) Nothing to worry about this week.
1: (laughs) No, nothing at all. Happy, happy election.
0: Indeed, indeed. Uh, The Washington Post, sticking with them, they have also shared a report that President Trump and his allies are getting favorable treatment from Facebook when they cross the line when sharing misinformation. Uh, From a pro Trump super PAC to the president's eldest son, these users have received very few penalties, according to an examination by the Post of several months worth of posts and ad spending, as well as internal company documents seen by the Washington Post. In certain cases, their accounts have been protected against more severe enforcement because of a concern about the perception of anti-conservative bias. Of course, every time Mark Zuckerberg or Jack Dorsey appear in front of Congress, they get yelled at for... Conservative bias, but this shows that, that that's kind of a very effective way of playing the ref. Uh, instead, what happens is uh, Facebook and and Twitter are, are a little more cautious about approaching or shutting down some of the conservative voices out there because they understand that they'll be once again blamed for yeah. conservative bias. It's a, it's a bizarre thing to get your head around.
1: Yeah, and uh, it it's, it seems that they're sort of breaching these terms and conditions that they would find more easy to enforce against uh, people who are outside of, you know, the White House, for example. Mm. And closer to home, Cam Wilson, writing for Gizmodo, says that Australia's metadata retention laws are making it too easy for people to access Australians' data without a warrant, according to a new review of the Controversial Scheme. So when their laws were first passed in 2015, there were just 21 agencies who were allowed to access your metadata, a number that Peter Dutton wouldn't mind increasing. But since then, more than 100 agencies, including local councils and even the RSPCA, have accessed the data, sometimes for minor legal offences. This was due to a loophole that allowed data to be released to more agencies if it was authorised. In response, the committee who's written up this report has suggested setting a serious offence threshold for accessing the data under the scheme.
0: Kind of crazy to think uh, how easy it is for local government RSPCA. I mean, why the RSPCA? Why does it need access to my metadata? I, I can understand exactly why, but it still is a little bit freaky.
1: Yeah, I think this is one of those examples of just scope creep, where Mm. uh, something that hasn't been overly well-written in the eyes of privacy advocates in the first place has just been allowed to spiral. So it's good that they're taking a look at this and potentially closing off those loopholes.
0: Yeah, you would hope so. Staying with the Australian government, and there is a rumour in the Sydney Morning Herald today that the government is possibly thinking of watering down some of the Facebook-Google regulations. The Herald is reporting the federal government is considering weakening the new rules designed to force Google and Facebook to pay news publishers, following the fierce lobbying and threats from the tech giants to leave the Australian market.
1: Yeah, so completely unsurprising that Google and mm-hmm. Facebook have been aggressively lobbying the government. Of course they have been. They are well-resourced and it's very much in their interest to do so. I I totally buy this story. If I would make a prediction, I think when this code comes out, it'll be something really wussy uh, and <laughs> publishers won't have really gotten what they want. And Facebook, it won't be great for Facebook and Google, but, you know, it'll be a win for them in, in some way. That's my prediction. It'll It'll come out as just something that is just an accounting function for, mm-hmm. for publishers to take into, you know, into their businesses.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and Facebook and Google haven't just been lobbying the government. They've been lobbying us. If you watch YouTube, if you do a Google search, I don't know about Facebook, but I, I definitely know in those two platforms, uh, I've been seeing ads constantly about uh, how unfair the new government's rules are. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if if some of that started getting back to politicians and they started getting concerned with people calling up, regular people calling up and saying, hey, is YouTube going away because of something you're doing for Murdoch? It's it's very hard to find a, a hero in this story, but I, I'm with you. I really do think that I would be very surprised if, if the original laws were enacted as planned.
1: To Telco News, Optus is set to become the latest mobile operator to launch a digital-only brand, unveiling plans to bring the GOMO offering uh, of its parents' company, Singtel, to Australia. The telco said in a statement that GOMO would offer straightforward subscription pricing and target value-conscious Australians seeking easy mobile connectivity. Peter, what is GOMO?
0: I have no idea, but it looks like uh, <laughs> the, the corporate logo looks like a drunk lizard. So I, I'm I'm all on. Bored for that one, I think. Uh, I don't know. It's it's weird that we've got another story that Optus are offering $250, $250 million to Amazim to buy them out, or at least Amazim are hoping that is, is what is going to happen. It looks like a, you predicted this in our pre-show before we kind of started recording that uh, a lot of people would be moving to cheaper plans over the next year and, and maybe going for the mid-range phones rather than the, the high-end fancy ones.
1: Yeah, so I'm now the predictions person. But um, that's mostly uh, <laughs> that's mostly just because I'm poor at the moment. Uh, so it's very much commoditized. Mm -hmm. Uh, this market I have piles and piles of data I don't use each month Uh, I don't need to worry about international roaming so Mm -hmm. I just want something that covers all the bases and I I think I represent a lot of consumers out there
0: yeah totally I I just switched to uh, an Optus MVNO myself uh, recently so not this one but one that has you know a a 12 month one thing to pay and not that much data because just like you I'm on wi-fi all the time now
1: and that's all we have time for today. And we won't be online tomorrow because there is apparently a horse race on in Melbourne.
0: Mm, Yes. Yes. Uh, we are celebrating uh, gambling in this in this state, so we'll be shutting down for the day. But I think we've earned it this year.
1: I think we have to. So I will chat to you on Wednesday.
0: Yep. I'll speak to you then.
1: See ya. Bye.